If you thought I was usually insufferable when it came to my beloved Raiders, things are getting out of control now as they get to 2-0 after a Monday night whooping of the New Orleans Saints at Spain and Fitz on ESPN <laughs> Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Got some great guests that are going to be here with us tonight on the Shell Penzo Performance Line. We're going to take you all the way up to tonight's NBA action. Obviously, we've got a lot of NBA to get to, Sarah, but it starts with a level of excitement. Last night, you know, I paused the TV. I, I drove home as fast as, as I could. I found out that my, my TV wasn't going to let me fast forward, so I had to sit on my couch <laughs> quietly and just by myself soak in the victory. And, and the biggest part to me isn't that the Raiders beat the Saints, which you know I didn't expect. It's that last night, at least for the majority of that game, they felt like they were clearly the better team, and I am stunned by that. Yeah, I have to be honest with you. I wasn't expecting it. Now, early on, you were you were trashing your own takes on Alvin Kamara, and I said, it's early, it's early. And what I meant was, you know, we'll see if he's the one who takes them out. But I felt for certain, even without Michael Thomas, the Saints would be able to take advantage of a Raiders defense that I didn't think had approved that much from last year when they were all downright dismal. I'm still not sure exactly what you got. But I do have to say I'm very happy for you that they are offering up this wonderful memory of the very first time to play in their new city of Las Vegas, your hometown. But also that it was a real victory against a good team. Yet to see exactly how long we consider the Saints a good team. But it was no fluke. And that's something you can walk away with with enthusiasm for the rest of the season to really see what you got. Yeah, and I think that's the most important part. You and I have had a lot of conversations over the last couple of years about John Gruden, and and really last night was mm-hmm. one of the rare times that I've looked at it and said, oh my God. I mean, the way that he was scheming open Darren Waller was one of the more brilliant things I've seen him do in a long time. And even his dance afterwards, it's sort of become the viral sensation in the locker room, is this moment of, it's a little bit of a reminder that Gruden has had a rebirth uh, with a young roster, and it seems like he's got the college coach rah-rah thing down, and it's working. Like, it was just, he hit the right note at the right time for that offense and I'm with you I'm not sure the defense is very good uh, yet I think they will be by the end of the year but frankly that offense when they click that way to me is so special that it's going to be a fun season to watch and I'm glad everybody's finally realizing that Derek Carr's a lot better than he's been given credit for Sarah so it was a big night in my house. Well and a lot of the early stuff is maybe long plays from Gruden that we don't know the outcome of yet whether that's the Khalil Mack trade right or some of the early statements that he made about wishing that he could go back in time and he you know his approach is old school and all that you know there was so much that he said that I think really had people worried and I think as you're seeing um, some of that Cleo Mack trade pay off for the Raiders on their end of things and how he's sort of settled into being a, a modern coach in ways that that are necessary. It's made you probably feel a little bit better about all this. Maybe not uh, his ability to wear a mask during a game, um, but uh, uh, other than that, obviously gave you some reasons to smile last night. Yeah, when he when you talk about curious things that John Gruden has said, maybe what he said last night after the game when it came yeah. to wearing a mask and why he takes it seriously was the most surprising thing. You know, I've had the virus, okay? I'm doing my best. I'm very sensitive about it, but I'm calling plays. Um, I just want to communicate in these situations, and uh, I apologize. And if I get fined, I, I will have to pay the fine. But, um, you know, I'm very sensitive about uh, all of that, and, and I apologize. I mean, Sarah, he's just dropping it there like, oh, by the way, I had coronavirus. Like, how does that happen and nobody hears about it? I mean, that was, well, but that also was stunning. Early, and he, right in August, there was a report that he told his his coach 
to go and tell the whole team that he had it and he was hospitalized to make them take it seriously. Then he came out and said, that report's not true. That never happened. So did he actually have it, but he didn't lie about it? Or did he not actually do that with his players, but he did have it and never told anyone? Like, I'm so confused. Yeah. Well, he did get fined a hundred grand lighter in his pocket. And by the way, the teams also are getting fined in each of these instances, $250,000. So if I'm Mark Davis eating a half a billion dollar loss because the stadium's empty this year, I'm handing that right over to John and saying, Hey, you, you, you got this one, right? It Even after they beat the me. Saints? I don't know. The Saints might earn him one week's worth of, of, of mask fines. And then by next week, he'll be, he'll be, you know, sending him an invoice. Is that one of those bills like you can look at it and say, okay, it is due on this date, so I'll just wait all the way till then. Spain right. and Fitz, ESPN Radio. Uh, obviously, we'll, we've got uh, a lot to get into tonight, and as much as I'd love to spend an hour and a half just talking about the Raiders, Sarah, my team is not the only one of us that, that has team news today as your Chicago Bulls find themselves in the news with a new head coach. They do, and I'll tell you what, I am such a scorned lover when it comes to the Bulls that I have spent (laughs) the majority of the last few years explaining to people that the NBA should adopt Premier League relegation and send them down to the G League until they've earned a spot amongst the pros. So it's very difficult for me to express any hope in what they do, but I will say that the fact that they have a new executive VP of basketball ops, Karnasovas or Karnisovas, I still haven't figured it out yet. I'll learn before the season starts, which is looking to be later and later based on what Adam Silver is saying. But they have a new executive VP. They've got a new coach in Billy Donovan, who I think is a, a, a good hire, a, a, a guy that is um, surprised wanted to come to the Bulls, to be honest with you, with the success that he had, particularly this year. Um, and had some other options out there, so I'm excited that he found a good reason to want to come to Chicago. Um, so I'm I'm cautious in my hopefulness, but I do think a whole brand new brain trust there, including a brand new coach, makes me feel a little bit better about dipping a toe back in the water of of, of you know being on board with this squad. Well, our very own ESPN NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski broke down earlier today why the the Bills have chosen Billy Donovan the as Bulls their new head coach and Billy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think Donovan's ability, they believe, to uh, develop a young roster, to provide stability, leadership to an organization that has been running through coaches here the last few years. And I think, you know, what Billy Donovan has shown with certainly two national championships at Florida, and then the success he had in Oklahoma City, a coach that people all around the league saw as he, the further along he came in the NBA, the better he got the improvement he showed. Chicago believed it got one of the elite coaches in the league in Donovan, and now he has a roster with Zach Levine and uh, this young core in Chicago uh, that I think most agree underachieved uh, under the previous uh, regime. And this is a team that I think you know, can compete to be relevant again in the East. And again, Chicago is one of the landmark organizations, franchises in the league, and they should be in the conversation for big free agents. Sarah, Billy Donovan. Yeah, they while should he was be, the, but yep, they, they, <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean much <laughs> considering recent history. Uh, Donovan, uh, by the way, with the Thunder, had the uh, the fifth best, or sorry, sixth best win percentage in the NBA while he was with them. During that time, the Bulls have had the fourth worst in the NBA. Yeah. So yeah, it yeah. feels like this is a good hire. I mean, it, yeah, it, I mean, you also much... need to get the talent. I mean, that's the thing. He's had a ton of superstars. He's he was he was all stocked up with talent in OKC and back at Florida. So, you know, bringing him to a place like Chicago where you don't really know which pieces you feel like are going to be a part of 
whatever contending window you're aiming for or whether it's a clean sweep and, and none of these people are really the superstar you want to build around um, is yet to be decided. And th- like I said, I, I feel hopeful at least that Billy Donovan, who had a chance potentially at the Sixers job and maybe elsewhere, uh, would decide that Chicago was a place deserving of of his efforts. Uh, that that leads me to believe that Carnesivus told him, here's the plan. Here's who we have, who's we're going to go after. Here's how we're going to make ourselves a contender again. And that's exciting for a city that honestly has has really, you know, as you know, especially after the last dance in this summer, ravenous fans for the Bulls. We just, it, the, that Jordan hangover has has gone on far too long. And and then we had a, a, a bit of a dip with uh, Derrick Rose and that team where we felt like, you know, this is worth worth rooting for. But for the most part, it's it's been a lot of disappointment um, for the Bulls and, and underperforming for a, a franchise with its history and a city that should be drawing better. Uh, we had some big news in the college football world. So to get some uh, some perspective on it, we're going to head to the Shell Penzoil performance line for some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And that comes from one of our favorites in the entire world, Mike Golick, ESPN college football analyst. Still feels weird to see to even say that, Mike. Uh, mm-hmm. Really appreciate you joining us. Uh, Notre Dame obviously cancels their game uh, for the weekend or postpones it due to COVID-19 testing. So, you know, give me sort of a sense, because you were going to be calling that game and around that game, give me sort of a sense of what that, that postponement will mean for Notre Dame football. Well, first and foremost, I, I, I appreciate uh, you guys letting me join your show. And Sarah, I, I can't believe that we're, you're talking about anything but the Raiders with uh, Fitzy on right now. Right, I let him get it out. He took a little victory lap, and then we had to move on. Oh, I say I have to be professional. I don't know how that. There's happens. a lot of two and O teams in the NFL right now. We'll see how many of them last. And I'm talking about my yeah. team too. <laughs> and we're so shocked the Raiders are one of them. Right. <laughs> but listen, this we've had what four ACC teams now postpone, and from what I've been kind of calling around and hearing today, it may not be the only game postponed this weekend. We'll have to wait and see. The tough part is. Both Notre Dame and Wake have a bye week next week, so it seemed like the perfect chance to make it up. But I don't even know about that. You know, with these COVID testings and really that's the contact tracing, the COVID testing, if you test positive, I think you're out 10 days. If you're in the contact tracing, it's 14 days. So I think that even to try, and that's why they had a bit of a buffer to try and make up those games. Like the game I'm doing now, they switched us to, Central Florida and East Carolina. East Carolina had to, had to postpone their first game against Marshall, but there's a bit of a buffer. That's one of the issues the Big Ten's going to run into starting October 24th with their nine-game schedule. They have no buffer. So this is, you know, we've seen baseball have that initial scare with the Marlins and the Cardinals and everything's kind of run smooth. We've seen a couple of weeks in the NFL, things have kind of run smooth. But we all thought on colleges, you're not just dealing with college athletes, you're dealing with students. When they come back, we've already seen programs shut down for a little bit, come back up. Um, So I don't think we should be overly shocked that this is happening, and we thought we'd have to maybe piecemeal some of the season together. So, you know, I'm curious how you think this works if different conferences have different rules. Because, right, I think it's the SEC, if you test positive, you don't have to test again for 21 days, even though there's we know that there's a possibility of getting it again. I think different rules across different conferences also based on how frequently they get tested because of the, the money to do so. Do you think it's fair to try to run a collegiate football season without the same rules being applied to, to when teams can play, how long they have to wait, and all of that? Well, nothing has changed. We've had we, how many conferences 
that their doctors recommend we don't play and how many conferences said we do play. I mean, right. we, we all see what's going on out there. I and mean, when this thing started, there were six, and forgetting even the Power Five, there were six conferences that were going to play and four that pulled out, even two of the Power Fives, the Big Ten and the Pac-12. And now all of a sudden we see the Big Ten coming back and possibly the Pac-12. So, Sarah, we've never had universal rules. But that's not shocking. Look at what the NCAA does. What, what, what do they do in all of this? They say, oh, we're going to leave it up to the conferences. So they're the ones passing the buck. But they've always done that. They'll come down on you, you know, if you take a dollar under the table. But, you know, God forbid they have to make a, a universal decision for all the colleges that are involved, they say, yes, this is a terrible thing, and we're going to look at it, and, and hey, you conferences, you guys decide what you want to do. I mean, that's what's going on. So because of that, that's what you get. You get, uh, you know, the Power Five, all five, you know, coming at it differently, you know, and even the outside of the Power Five coming at it differently. So th- this, that's why I said it's going to be piecemeal. There's no unification in the NCAA. It all revolves around the presidents and then – the NCA pushes it off to the individual conferences and then the presidents of those schools in the conference. So they've done this to themselves. Hmm. We're talking to ESPN college football analyst, Mike Golick, giving us the straight talk, straight talk, wireless, no contracts, no compromise, Spain and Fitz ESPN radio. So Mike, one thing that you've said in the past is, you know, the, the opportunity to serve on the playoff committee would be something that would really interest you. And certainly you're qualified to do and would be great at it. So in a year like this, when everybody's going to be playing different games under different scenarios with different testing, what chance do we actually have that a playoff committee can figure out who the best four teams really are? Man, is it going to be hard. Oh, I, would, I would have to really and thoroughly enjoy the buffet that went on there because the rest <laughs> of it would be really hard. I would hope the food and drink would be plentiful. Uh, you may even need some alcoholic drinks in there to try and figure this one out. It's <laughs> going to be tough. Because, you know, you look at look at the Big Ten. They're just going to have nine games. Some will have ten. Some will have 11. You know, and now the ones with ten, maybe they'll only have nine. It's, it's going to be – and just conferences. So, I mean, you, you thought there was kicking and screaming before, especially if you had a few undefeated and or a few one-loss teams. Now – and what do we always do? We always veer toward, well, the SEC is the toughest conference, and then, you know, the Big Ten, and then whatever, you know, is the ACC top-heavy with Clemson. And now Notre Dame's in there, too, for this year. So I think the same thing's going to happen, depending on the record. If there's a great record in – if, the Pac, say, the Pac-12 come back, to, come, back, come back and play, and there's a great record, you know, I think a lot of people are going to say, well, it's the Pac-12. They're playing against the Pac-12. Because what did we always talk about? Oh, when Oregon goes out of the Pac-12 and plays, you know, a Big 12 or a Big 10, and they get that win, that early season win – we always talked about that could help carry you if you were to get one. Now there's going to be none of that. So I think, I think what's going to happen is we're really going to base things on what you think the power of the conference is, especially the depth of the conference, and that's going to weigh in to a lot of the, the committee members and how they're going to vote. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Make sure you subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast. There's some digital-only stuff you can only get there. Mike Golick Sr. with us, ESPN college football analyst, was set to call Notre Dame-Wake Forest. That game postponed. Uh, You know, I'm curious. You're so connected to that Notre Dame program, to current and former players, administrators, coaches. 
What are you hearing, uh, if at all, uh, about concerns for long-term effects? Because I think we've come to this point where we used to say, what happens if a player gets it? Now we say entire teams get it. And assuming no one's hospitalized or deeply ill, we kind of shrug our shoulders. But there's no long-term case studies. And there are plenty of people who are coming up with neurological or pulmonary or other issues months down the line. Is anyone concerned about that with these students or coaches? I, you know, this is one of those where where the the players need to be protected from themselves. It's almost like yeah. the concussion protocol in the NFL. Take the player's helmet away because he wants to play. These are eight and and forget now. Forget the pros. These are eighteen to twenty two year olds. I put myself in that position, or when my boys played there, they want to go play, and then they hear, well, that this doesn't really affect the young. But then we then we do start to see the heart issues every now and then pop up. But players, for the most part, want to play. And it seems, again, because we have different doctors or groups of doctors giving different information to the different conferences out there, that nobody can get a handle on it. And Sarah, you're right. We have no friggin' idea what's going to happen with this down the road. Yet everybody, you know what's winning out? We know what's winning out. Mm -hmm. The almighty dollar. The almighty dollar always wins out. Well, you guys can win if you check him out. He'll still be on TV Saturday on ABC for the UCF-ECU call at noon. I'll bring the donuts, Mike, if there's anything I know. We appreciate you hanging out with us, my friend. Thanks so much for the insight. Thanks, Mike. All right. Thanks, guys. I'll see you. Great stuff from Mike. You can follow him, obviously, at ESPN Golick. And sorry in advance is still out there, too. You can check out the podcast. You can get to it from his Twitter also. So uh, be sure to watch him there. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. We'll keep all eyes on it. But meanwhile, we've got a ton of eyes right now on what's going on in Major League Baseball. It has come down to the wire. It is only getting more epic. It is only getting more exciting. And I'm only getting more confused as to what's out there and <laughs> what to have someone We'll help get some insight. We're going to bring someone in. <laughs> I need to all the help. There's I a lot get. going on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get some expertise on it next on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. And as always, we're hanging out with you on the ESPN app. We talked a little bit yesterday about the sport apocalypse that we're trying to keep up with. Everything going on at once. And one of those things is a fast and furious final week of the regular season for the MLB. A sprint of a season that now is culminating in a sprint of a week with so many things still yet to be decided. We're bringing in an expert to help us through it. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, taking you into Game 3 of the Lakers and Nuggets tonight, an 8.30 Eastern start. But before we get to hoops later, we got to cover all the other stuff going on in sports. Scott Miller, Bleacher Report MLB columnist, joins us now. Scott, it's it feels like, of course, the season has flown by, but at the same time, I'm kind of amazed that we're at this final week because so little has been decided. There is so much yet to be figured out in terms of playoff seedings, playoff berths. Um, walk us through sort of what the biggest things are on the line over these last few days of the regular season. Yeah, nice to be with you, Sarah and Jason. And you're right, it's, uh, it's really strange because with just 60 games in, most times we'd have, we'd have that feel like baseball's just starting. You know, it's like early in the season still, third of the way done. And yet here we are wrapping it up and, uh, you know, playoffs next week. Um, you know, in, in terms of, of, of the big things, the National League Cy Young race, that's a huge jumble. There are about seven guys in the midst of that, including Corbin Burns making a late run for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, that's going to be important for the Brewers because, speaking of the playoff jumble, uh, as we speak right now, you know, the Brewers are in the ninth spot. The first eight make the playoffs, and they're trying to chase down the, the Philadelphia Phillies or Cincinnati Reds. 
Um, you know, big game tonight with the Reds. The Reds have turned it around um, after a horrible start. Uh, they are beginning to look like they could possibly be a contender with that front of the rotation, Trevor Bauer, uh, Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray is back tonight off the injured list. He's pitching uh, and pitching pretty well early in that game. Um, so, yeah, there's, uh, there, there's a whole bunch of, uh, of stuff going on, and you're right, it's, it's, uh, it's almost dizzying. So, Scott, when you look forward over the course of the next week, who do you think is left out when it's all said and done? Um, you know, I think uh, if we start with the American League, um, I think those eight playoff teams are pretty well locked in. Right now, the eighth spot is Toronto. They have the second wild card. And even though they've still got a bunch of games with the Yankees, for a while it looked like, you know, when the Yankees were beat up a couple weeks ago, Toronto might be out. Them briefly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and, then, and then the Yankees got hot, and Aaron Judge is back now, and, and things are looking up again for them. But, um, you know, it really, in the American League, Toronto right now is the number eight seed. And Cleveland, by the way, after an eight-game losing streak, they've reversed things a little bit. So Cleveland's seven, Toronto's eight. And then the next, there's a pretty big gap. Seattle is the next team out. Um, so I, I think we could pretty much safely say the American League, the eight teams we know, it's just a question of, of, of how are the final seedings going to go. Um, the American League, uh, you know, the Brewers and Giants uh, are out right now, but they are not that far behind Cincinnati and Philadelphia. So, um, you know, really the, the teams to watch, and Miami as well, by the way, the, the Miami's fifth spot in the, in the seeding right now. But they're playing Atlanta right now, and um, I think they end the season against the Yankees, if I'm not mistaken. They've got uh, Marlins have a really difficult week while they try to maintain that playoff spot, and so they're fifth right now. Um, but you know, you go through six, seven, eight, and then nine, ten right now are Milwaukee and San Francisco, and even those two clubs aren't that far behind the Marlins. So I think we're going to see between Miami, St. Louis. Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, <laughs> San Francisco the, for the final four playoff slots. We're, we could see some uh, uh, rocking and rolling between all of those clubs. It's Spain and Fitz. We're talking to Scott Miller, Bleacher Report, MLB columnist. Yeah, it's crazy. In the National League, only two teams have technically clinched a playoff spot, the Dodgers and the yep. Padres at one and four. And so the Cubs are sitting in the number two spot, but technically haven't clinched a playoff spot. There's just so much movement still possible over the last couple games. When you look at these um, these leagues, who are the favorites? Because like you said, usually at this point, we'd be just getting to know which teams might have some lasting power, which ones just got off to a hot start and are inevitably going to uh, you know, fade away like, I don't know, the Mariners do every single year. But instead, uh, we're actually about to head into the first expanded playoffs. Uh, who actually looks like a team that you know for sure will be contending? You know, that is, Sarah, that's, that's a really good question, and it's a really interesting question. And the reason I say that, is as you noted, a- after a short sixty-game season, we don't know as much about these teams as we normally do. Uh, so, for that reason, I think it, it, this could be more than any other year in baseball. It could almost be like the NCAA basketball tournament, where right. you know, as we go through, we've got upsets. And the reason I say that, and the mystery to me is going to be the most intriguing story as we go into next week. And, and, and the reason that is, is there's a ton of mystery because in this pandemic summer, 
the way baseball scheduled and kept each division playing kind of in its own geographical pods. So, for example, the Dodgers, to answer your question, seem to be by far the best team in the American League, I, I mean in the National League. I think they're the deepest. Um, they've got the best ERA in Major League Baseball. Um, so the Dodgers look really, really good. Now, back to the mystery I was talking about. They haven't played anybody in the National League Central or National League East. And not only that, as a result of that, the Dodgers are playing Oakland in a three-game series beginning tonight. As we stand right now, Oakland will be the only team the Dodgers have faced with a better than 500 record Mm. this entire season other than the San Diego Padres. In other words, when the Dodgers played Colorado really early in the year, the Rockies might have been a game or two over 500. But as we speak right now, 54 games into their season, the only team above 500 that the Dodgers have played right now is the San Diego Padres until they play Oakland tonight. So the Dodgers look like they should probably be favorites to win the National League. But because of everything I just mentioned, there's still that mystery. We don't know how good they are. We think they're pretty good, but there also could be they mm-hmm. might not be as good as we think because we, they haven't been tested and we haven't been able to measure them against other parts of the country. So, Scott, with that same sort of mindset, I mean, Sarah and I have been having a conversation about the NBA over the last few days about how to get context. You know, is there an asterisk at some point in the NBA about bubble uh, bubble basketball? So, really, given the historians and the way that they cling to baseball, how does does baseball treat whoever comes out of this wildfire with an actual World Series championship? Yeah, and you know what, Jason, that word context you used is a, is a very good word. Um, exactly. We need to, to figure out how to put things in context. Uh, you know, I think what's going to end up happening is, um, I mean, I don't think whoever wins the World Series this year, I, I don't think they ought to be kicked around like, hey, yeah, yeah, but it's a cheap World Series because it wasn't over 162 games. Uh, a couple things. One, that's going to be some people's natural reaction. And Granted, this year, whoever wins the World Series isn't going to have had to run the gauntlet like usual. But that said, I don't think this is necessarily going to be a cheap World Series title because, man, we've never been through a summer like this in our mm-hmm. lifetime. And for baseball teams, you know, you, uh, talking with various executives that I've talked to, you know, they all agree, like, you know what, this is totally different. It's not a normal year, but it comes with so many difficulties. I mean, the players on the road, the sacrifices they've had to make to, to stay healthy, and by the way, kudos to the players and the baseball that here we are. Remember, the two weeks into the season, the Marlins had the outbreak of COVID, the Cardinals did, and a lot of our conversations was there's no way baseballs be able to mm-hmm. get through the season. And here we are, and, and it looks like not only we're going to get through the season, but then smartly they're going into the bubble-type situation for the postseason. So in terms of context, I think this is going to – it's clearly a very, very unique year, and I think all hail whoever wins the title because every single team, even in a short season, has had so many obstacles starting in February yeah. when they went to spring training, February and March, and then it got shut down. And then everybody went home and nobody could work out with, 
you know, as a team, people are players are having to keep in shape at home on their own. You know, and then they come back in July, and then COVID testing, and then the travel. And you have to stay yeah, in I mean, hotel. Scott, we just we right. didn't think with with now there will be a weird kind of bubble. But I think you're right. I think one thing is the semantics around the word asterisk make people automatically think negative. I think we will accept that this was a weird and different year, and it was not usual. But we will also understand the sacrifices and how difficult it was uh, for teams to make this work. Um, once this all gets gets uh, sorted out, exactly. thank you for helping clear up some of the questions that we still have as this last week takes place. Appreciate it, Scott. Sarah, Jason, my pleasure. Thank you. We'll we'll talk soon. We'll we'll look forward to the playoffs yeah, we'll, next week. We'll, we'll chop it up once the playoffs start. Uh, Bleacher <laughs> Report MLB columnist Scott Miller with us here on Spain and Fitz breaking it all down. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over seven hundred and fifty dollars on average. I feel the same way about my Cubs. I'm like they're not great, but they're not bad. But what's everybody else? Nobody knows. We'll find out. Joining us now to talk about the big news for the Bulls, Will Purdue Bulls analyst for Comcast Sportsnet Chicago. I said earlier in the show, I'm a little bit of a scorned lover when it comes to the Bulls. It's hard for me to see any decision they make as a good one, just, you know, based on past practices. But I'm feeling optimistic about, you know, Karnasovis and now Billy Donovan. Uh, Can you you tell me I'm right for feeling good about what looks like a brand new uh, uh, brain trust for this team? Well, it it certainly seems to be going that way. You know, one of the things that Michael Reinsdorf talked about, along with John Paxson, who is still there, and that's probably why you're still a little uh, tainted, should we say, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is that uh, Arturis and Mark Eversley are going to have full control. They're going to make all the basketball decisions. They're going to be allowed to do their job. There's apparently, you know, nothing that's going to keep them from – you know, trying to get the Bulls back to what we anticipate, and that is a team that is a playoff team, that is a team that eventually becomes a contender and not a pretender. And so far, all that has come true up to this point. We're talking to Will Purdue, Bulls analyst for Comcast Sportsnet Chicago. So, Will, if I can see why the Bulls would want Billy Donovan, the follow question then is why does Billy Donovan want to go to the Bulls given the other jobs that are out there right now? Well, I, I, I mean that's that's a good solid question. Thank you. Because of <laughs> because of the the past, I I had not really thought about that, you know. But the one thing I will say though is I think that says a lot for the respect that Arturis has in the NBA community, along with Mark Eversley. But let's also be honest here. This Bulls team has a lot of young talent that has underperformed. And sometimes you you always say, hey, I would love to have those guys, or I'd love to take those guys and develop those guys. Because what's the one – well, there's a lot of things that Donovan did at Oklahoma City that surprised a lot of people, and I mean in a positive way. And what's one of the biggest things that people have talked about that the Bulls have lacked? Development. And the one thing that Donovan did while he was not only at the University of Florida, and people are that's when he was college coaching, but still, when he was coaching at the University of Florida, two national championships, developed guys into talent, developed guys into NBA players. But he's also shown that he can develop NBA players and get them to the area, or to, should we say, you know, develop them to the point where that's why that guy was drafted for that reason. 
It's Spain and Fitz talking to Will Perdue about Billy Donovan joining the Bulls as the new head coach. So, yeah, they've got a new executive VP of basketball ops, a new head coach, but they still have to have the talent to do something. They've got the fourth pick in the draft. They return three of their own lottery picks, Kobe White, Wendell Carter Jr., and Larry Markkinen, and then they've got Zach Levine and a handful of veterans. How many of those guys I just named do you think are a part of what could actually be a team you move forward with with uh, intention to compete, and how much do you think they need to do in free agency? Well, that's the thing, Sarah, honestly, that I don't know. Um, this is now, I think, that, you know, Arturis did an excellent job with the, high, the coaching hire. Now the question is, and I'm sure they've been dealing with this, and I think today was that technically the first day of the two-week window of the eight teams that, could not, that mm-hmm. did not play in the bubble of bringing these guys in and, and letting these guys practice and scrimmage. And they also have G League guys that they've invited as well. So I think, you know, with no these Chris guys Dunn today. Had, yeah. For that. Well, Chris Dunn's going to be a free agent. I, I yeah. respect that, and we all fully expected him to do that because, you know, he feels like there's nothing that, for him to prove. He's, he, we all know what Chris Dunn is. He's, he's a defensive, you know, stalwart. I don't, I I don't want to say stopper, but he's a defender first. But I think that now you have to assess this team and you have to ask yourself, do all these guys that you just mentioned, plus Larry Markin and Zach Levine, do they have more value on the market as a trade piece or do they actually have more value as a member of Billy Donovan's squad? And I think now that's what you have to determine because I also think that now that you have a head coach, I think Billy has to have a say in that because of of the system that he would like to run both offensively and defensively. So, Will, let, let me give Sarah a little bit of hope here. Like, if you are going <laughs> in and saying to a fan, hey, here's the reasonable amount of time in my mind it will take to bring the Bulls to where they, they can be, what is that amount of time under Billy Donovan? I think we should have all the answers that we need and then the, the actual direction that this, this organization is now going in two years. Okay. All right, listen. I, I think, yeah. well, because Donovan has proven what he can do as a coach, all right? We have, in my opinion, we have talented players that are, uh, have underperformed. They haven't developed. So now the question is, we have a head coach. What does he do with his, who's his staff going to be moving forward? And what we also don't know is, is I know that our tourists, and I know Mark liked some of the assistants that were there. I'm not going to name any names because I'm not sure which ones. And were there some caveats for the position that Billy just took with this guy's going to be here, this guy's going to be here, you actually only have room to fill two spots, or if you so desire, you can fill the whole staff and the guys that we currently have will no longer be here. So there's still some unanswered questions because as good as Billy has done, I've had many of uh, former coaches and current coaches tell me I'm only as good as my staff, and I can only do so much because my staff is so important to helping me be a great coach. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, talking to Will Purdue, Bulls analyst for Comcast Sportsnet Chicago. We're almost out of time. So quickly, I just wonder with this team, in terms of being able to track free agents and to convince people that they're a franchise that you want to play for, they've had so much trouble with that ever since literally Michael Jordan left decades ago. Do you think that this is a fresh enough and new enough 
front office and 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 brain trust that people can can trust to come, or does that only happen when it when a change of ownership does? No, I, I think that can happen now, but I also think that there's players, and when I say players, free agents that are looking at this team and, and know that some changes still need to be made in order for this team to get better. And as yeah. they start tinkering with the players that they have, whether it be via trade or how they draft this year, that's when you start sending the messages to the current players that are keeping an eye on this, not only this franchise, but this city because of what this city can do for the right player that comes to Chicago on a winner. Agreed. Hey, Will, f- thanks for the time, and go ahead and complete that left turn you've been waiting to make, okay? Thanks, Will. Well, I had my flashers on because we're picking up dinner tonight. I didn't know you could hear it. You told me that earlier that you could no, hear that. I, I really enjoyed it. It was comforting. It was like a heartbeat. Uh, thanks, Will. Appreciate it. All right. You got thanks, it. Will.